hey there, school counselor. Welcome back to the School for School Counselors podcast. I love this time of week. I love sitting down and chatting with you, even though uh, I'm talking to a wall, essentially. I, I just imagine you sitting there listening. I imagine you taking it all in. And all of the amazing reviews and comments that we get for the podcast are just so inspiring and motivating. So thank you for keeping those going in the Facebook group and in the Apple reviews. You have no idea how amazing that is. And I'm glad you're back for another episode. This week, I want to focus in on some terms that we sometimes use interchangeably, even though they're not the same thing. What I'm talking about are needs assessments and climate surveys. Often we hear new school counselors talking about providing needs assessments on their campus when what they're really speaking to is a climate survey, or sometimes that's really what they should be running. I'm going to tell you which one I prefer as a general rule and the reasons why I think you should stay away from the other one. So first, let's just dive into kind of what these things are how they're similar and how they're different. But needs assessments and climate surveys are both data-driven assessments. They are both a means of looking into your school counseling program a little bit more closely, as well as your campus as a whole, trying to figure out how can we better meet our students' needs? What are they lacking? What kinds of supports do they wish that we had in place for them? so that we can be super targeted and effective in the interventions that we're providing. They are both also ultimately centered on our students, right? We're looking at their well-being, how they're performing academically, how they're developing emotionally to make sure that everybody's on track and that there are no major concerns there. And both needs assessments and climate surveys can help us custom tailor our decisions about how we allocate our resources. Schools do not have infinite resources, right, of either people or money. So we've got to be really careful about how we're spreading those out. It also helps us make good decisions about program development and about, again, the strategies that we're using for intervention. Funny story, I was telling my mastermind group here earlier this afternoon, we were having our first data discussions cohort meeting, and I was talking about how I felt like I had a really good read on my program, how things were fearing throughout the school year, and I thought that I had my finger on top of one of the major sticking points for me being able to be as effective on campus as I wanted to be. But at the end of the year, when I ran that information, I discovered that was what was at the front of my awareness of the needs in my program actually wasn't really a major need at all. I, I had just built it up so much in my mind that I thought it was something that I needed to tackle when really it was a minor concern. I had much bigger fish to fry, so to speak. And I offered that story as just an example of the power of good data inside your program. I think often when we look at intervention strategies, when we're looking at allocating resources and even how we're developing our programs, we kind of get these ideas in our mind that may or may not actually be true. And so it's really important 
to be discerning about what we're approaching, to have a reason for doing the things that we're doing and not just be flying by the seat of our pants, making things up as we go along. There are also some key differences between needs assessments and climate surveys. So they're not the same thing. Needs assessments are looking at specific areas where specific students or specific groups of students need assistance. We're looking at specific academic challenges. We're looking at their emotional well-being. How well are they planning for college or career? Those kinds of things. They're very specific to that individual or a small group of individuals. Climate surveys, on the other hand, are looking at the overall school environment. What's your vibe? Do you have an inclusive campus? Do students feel safe when they go to school? What are the social dynamics like once they get there? Those kinds of things. So there's a little bit of a different take on the information. Needs assessments are also looking at individual student data, whereas campus climate surveys are looking at broader aspects of their campus experience. This is going to become really important here in a minute when we start talking about the regulations with regard to student privacy. Those come into play in a big way when we're doing needs assessments. So remember that in our needs assessments, we are typically targeting individual student data. We're using that data to identify gaps, to develop targeted intervention for individual student needs or for very small groups of students. Campus climate surveys are helping us do more of creating inclusive environments, supportive school environments where we're implementing systemic interventions. They're not targeted toward a specific student or a small subgroup. Um, They're actually more systemic on campus. And then as we're looking at providing needs assessments for students, the ones that are more targeted toward individual student needs, what specific students might require, what they're struggling with in the moment. Some of our universal mental health screeners have become very, very common and sort of popular these days, as well as some online sort of social emotional check-in system kind of things. I'm going to file all these under the needs assessments category because they're all going to involve PPRA. Now, some of you listening are probably familiar with PPRA, and some of our newer school counselor friends may not be as familiar with it. It's something you typically don't learn about in your grad school program unless they were super school counseling oriented. And it's important to understand this because it's federal law. It's something that we are expected to know and abide by so that we don't cross any lines with regard to student confidentiality. PPRA, Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment, basically aims to safeguard student information and family information. When it comes to giving a needs assessment with information from students that could potentially be labeled harmful or embarrassing to the student or the student's family, we have to obtain prior written consent from parents before students are required to take that. 
Now, there are a few gray areas in this. Number one is if the survey is not required, then technically you don't need to get consent. But there could be an argument made that they feel coerced if a great number of students are taking the survey. So be careful with that. Uh, Personally, I just think best practice is going to be to get parent consent. A lot of school counselors try to obtain reverse consent. Basically, what that means is you send a form home or a survey home that says, you know, click this or return this paper if you do not want your child to participate, with the assumption being if the school doesn't receive anything back, then everything's fine. The student can participate. That is not a good idea in PPRA land. If you ever got called out on this, you would want to make sure that you were able to show that you had intentional consent from the parent for the student to participate. Parents have the right to decline their student's participation. If the survey is looking toward sensitive attitudes toward things like political beliefs, religious beliefs, sexual behavior, or mental health, in the family or those who are considered to be family, you must have this consent. And beyond that, the parent has the right to inspect the survey before it's given. So lots and lots of hoops to jump through to be compliant with PPRA. And we certainly want to make sure that we do those so that we can show we've done our due diligence, we're providing these surveys in good faith, and that parents have had the opportunity to see what the nature and the purpose of the assessment is, as well as verifying whether or not they feel it aligns with their students' educational goals. If they think it's inappropriate, if they feel uncomfortable with it for any reason, they have the right to decline. So if you're looking at providing one of these types of surveys, make sure that you're doing it for an intentional reason. Don't just give it to see what it tells you. You've got to be ready to act on that thing because sometimes we uncover things that we're ethically obligated to follow up on. Do you have the manpower and resources to do that? It's something to really think about. Anyhow, The point of this is to understand and be able to discern the difference between a needs assessment and a climate survey. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast episode, so many people use these terms interchangeably. But as you've heard, there are different standards, different expectations, and different requirements for each one. And it's important that we have the right frameworks in mind as we endeavor to do these things. Personally, I prefer campus climate surveys for a few reasons. It is much less targeted. I also think that the less personal detail we have floating through our paperwork on campus, through our files, our Google Forms, whatever it is that we're using, the better it is for the student. I don't believe that we should be collecting mass amounts of mental health data just because we can Certainly, we want to identify warning signs and intervene if and when we can do that. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the time or the personnel to allocate toward what you discover in those needs assessments, I see that as being pretty unethical. 
because you're uncovering information that you don't have the resources to handle. There certainly is a place to dive into some more specific personal student data. But again, in my opinion, that's more of a one-on-one situation uh, where you can really get intentional about what you're talking about, what you're uncovering in a really authentic way beyond just a survey question on a paper. Nothing for nothing, if PPRA requires the parent get a preview of the survey anyway, there's really not a great way to know that your results are accurate. Because often your students that most need that voice through something like a needs assessment may lose it because parents don't want them divulging personal details at school. Uh, They may deny the opportunity to provide that assessment to their student. Or students may be coached to give you the answers they think you want to hear instead of what's actually happening. Uh, For that reason, I think a lot of times our campus data is going to be the real champion here where we can track student cohorts, we can track individual students, we can really watch and see what's going on, and then get super specific about looking into things a little bit more, getting more detail in identifying individual interventions on a student-by-student basis. All right, so that was a quick episode for this week, but I did just want to call out the differences there. I so often see people using these interchangeably, and I want you to know about the differences between the two. I don't want you getting caught because you're providing a needs assessment under the guise of a climate survey. That can get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, It's definitely not best practice, and we want to make sure that everything that we're doing seeks to serve our students to the best of our ability while following our ethical and professional imperatives. Hey, if this is a new conversation for you, if needs assessments, uh, climate surveys, and all of these other things are new ideas to you, if you're newer to the school counseling world, you might consider joining our new Counselor Academy. It's starting the week we release this episode. Here in just a few days, we're going to be going through the ins and outs of the essentials of getting your school counseling journey started. We'll be looking at some of the things our School for School Counselors Facebook group members have been talking about the most as they've gotten started in the school counseling world, like how to develop great boundaries, how to structure lessons and interventions for students, what to do if you can't connect with a student, how do you manage the beginning of your chaos, what if you want to track data in your program, where do you start? And I'll be adding some hard truths and some super intentional mindset work to help you be in the right frame of mind as you get this journey started. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of us are sold this fairy tale about what's going to happen when we begin developing our programs on campus. And it just ends up not being true. A lot of school counselors get discouraged by that. But I don't think that's really necessary. I think if we are armed with the realities of our work, if we're prepared for things to not go quite as we were taught, it's going to be okay. If we have the right mindset in place, if we have the right sets of expectations, and we have the right set of people to lean on. And that's what we want to be for you. So you can join us by going to our website, schoolforschoolcounselors.com slash academy. All of the details, the sign-up link will be there. And y'all, 
This is three nights of amazing collaboration, information, and advice that is absolutely free of charge. So you won't want to miss this. And I have a little surprise up my sleeve for those of you that join us. So schoolforschoolcounselors.com slash academy. And I really, really hope you join us. All right, my friend, that's all I have for you this week, but keep listening because I'll be back soon with more from the School for School Counselors podcast. I absolutely love spending this time with you, and I sincerely hope that you have the best week ever. Take care. 